Well, hi there. I'm Kayla, the host of Strikes My Fancy podcast. Have you ever wondered why we dream? Maybe you're struggling with your mental health and you need some guidance. Or perhaps you just enjoy listening to people chat about things they love. Strikes My Fancy has all of that and more. With rotating series and new and exciting guests in each episode, I keep it fresh, entertaining, and educational. Come explore with me and discover what it is that strikes your fancy. You can find my show on strikesmyfancy.podme.com or Apple, Spotify, pretty much anywhere that you listen to podcasts. I look forward to you being a part of my journey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Real Talk, a movie podcast. We are your go-to source for ratings and recommendations of past and present films. I am your host, Wes Jones, podcasting from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Hey, this is Tommy, podcasting straight from Nashville, Tennessee. The Movie Buddy Conway, podcasting from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Hello, Real Talk community. Thank you for downloading this episode of the show, and tonight we're doing another Reviewing the New episode, and what we do with these episodes is we just want to get out some some movie reviews to you. These movie reviews are going to be spoiler-free, and they're mostly just going to be off the cuff, let you know what we think about these 2020, and actually we have a, a movie released in 2021 we're going to be covering tonight, and we're going to let you know whether you should go out stream these movies, or just completely avoid them. I want to kick tonight off, and I want to tell you all just a little story. It's actually super embarrassing. It happened to me today. But I thought, this is the type of story that you tell your podcast community, you tell your listeners, although they will probably make fun of you afterwards. I feel like it's good material, so I want to share it. (laughs) We've got a two-story house. I was on the second floor looking out my my son's bedroom window, and I thought, man, I've got to clean these gutters out. You know, there's leaves in the gutters and everything, and I've been procrastinated. So today I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take care of the leaves in the gutter. So I'm going around, climbing up the ladder, taking care of the leaves. And I was like, man, this is taking forever. You know, you go up the ladder, you clean the gutter, you move the ladder. It just just took forever. I'm just going to climb on the roof. And I'm just going to go around, clean the gutters out just from the top of the roof rather than going up the ladder. And I've done this at my grandmother's house, my parents' house, even the old house that I lived at. Like, never had any issues. Did you fall through, like, home improvement? No, uh, I did not. But it it is almost as good. This home is a little bit larger than any of the other homes that I had ever done this on. We also have uh, pretty tall ceilings and an extremely tall roof. So I put the ladder on the front porch. I climb up, and it's the only place where my ladder is tall enough with the elevation of the steps up to my porch to access the roof. And as I get up there, my back foot slips just a little bit. I barely made it up on the roof. And at that point, I was committed. I had to get up there because... If not, I would have just fallen right backwards off the roof. So I get up on the roof, I clean the gutters, and then it was time to come down. So I go down the side of the roof to get down. That same area where the ladder's at, 
is <laughs> super slick. I mean, super slick. And I almost slid and fell and went off the roof. But I caught myself and I got back up there. And I'm like, okay, well, how do how do I get down now? Because I obviously can't get back down to where my ladder is because I'm just going to slide right off the roof. So I'm walking around on top. There's just no way. Like, I climb up to the very top of my roof to go off the backside where my deck is, where it's not quite as far as a fall. It's maybe eight feet there. And it's so steep, there's no footing. I'm like, well, let me go around to the other side. And I'm just going to jump off down into the grass and the mud below. The roof is just, it's just higher. It's probably a good 10 or 12 feet up off the ground. I mean, I'm like, I'm going to turn an ankle. I'm going to break a leg or something. So I don't know what to do. I'm literally stuck on top of my roof today. And I'm feeling like a complete moron. I'm like, how did I get in this situation where I'm just stuck on top of my roof? Luckily, I had my cell phone. So I tried to call my wife, called her six times back to back, no answer. And I'm like, well, I'm going to try one more time to go down that spot I came up. I just couldn't get to it. So I'm contemplating what I'm going to do. Am I going to just jump off or do I text my neighbor, let them know what's going on, that basically I'm, a, I'm an idiot. They're never going to forget this, that I've left myself on top of the roof. But I couldn't get a hold of my wife, and I was just stuck up there. It was pretty damn cold today. So I text him. He comes, <laughs> he comes out there. And I could just kind of tell he wants to laugh at me. I mean, this is ridiculous. I'm almost 40 years old. I'm an, I'm an idiot. I'm stuck on top of my, my roof. And this man is walking his dog. And he stops and he says, uh, you guys need some help? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, I've got a 24-foot ladder back at the house that can help you out. He goes, but I feel fine, but I tested positive for COVID. So I don't know if anybody wants to come and get my ladder. And I'm like, my neighbor's like, well, let me try this first. He goes to get my truck. My Finally, my wife has been alerted of the issue. And she goes <laughs> and gets the keys, gives my neighbor the truck, the, the keys to the truck. He backs it up over there. And I'm like, maybe I'll just jump off into the back of my truck. But now I've got another problem. There's no part of my roof where the truck is at, that I can get to where I can scoot to the edge and jump down there. Because anytime I'm trying to get away from this little place where I'm holding onto the house, it's I'm just wanting to slide off. My shoes don't have grip. My hands don't have grip. Nothing has grip. So it's like if I let go, I'm going to like slide off the roof. There's no getting to the edge and jumping. Well, then my pastor of my church comes walking down with his dog. So now my pastor, his name is Jason, sees me up here on the roof. And of course, he starts making fun of me that I'm stuck up on the roof. And my neighbor is like, you know, well, we can't do the truck thing. I'm going to go get this dude's ladder. And so he drives up there to get the, 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 the guy's ladder and brings it back. And he puts it up there. And of course, it's plenty, plenty tall. But I, <laughs> I still have a hard time getting down because I can't get to the edge of the roof without sliding and falling. So anyway, I just lay on my belly and I just kind of slide down to the ladder, almost went off the roof, managed to hold on and get down. So I just thought I would share that. I know I'm going to be made fun of for forever, but I thought, well, we'll give the give the audience a little insight into how stupid that I am. 
Uh, I guess most guys have that superhero complex. So anyway, guys, how are y'all doing tonight? Well, I'm now a little offended because I'm sitting over here at my parents' house with a 14-foot ladder, and it's it feels to me like when you guys went to Florida without me. All you had to do was make a simple <laughs> phone call to your buddy, buddy, and say, hey, buddy, I'm stuck on a roof. And I would have been like, hey, man, I got a 14-foot ladder in here. Let me help you out. But instead, I just sat over here and walked around on the golf course today like a 68-year-old woman. Actually, I passed four of them and said hello today because I'm quarantining because of COVID. But that's also <laughs> probably why you didn't call me. So that's okay. Well, no, I called the neighbor because he was right there, and I was hopeful that he just had a little bit taller ladder than me. Anyway, T-Man, you've had a very odd look on your face the whole time I was telling that story, so uh, let's let you chime in here. No, I just, I'm just wondering, like, see, I guess that's the difference between you and me, Wes, because I just would have never done any of that. <laughs> I would have never, never cleaned my gutters. I would have never gone up there. Just, it just... I would have they now if the gutters would have just eventually gotten totally full, that's fine. But like that's just not something I would have ever done. So, but that's just me. Like you said, we all we're all different. I would have never found myself in that situation, I guess. But at the same yes. time, gutters would also still be full. So there's a positive and there's a negative to all of that. Tomatoes. Yeah, the gutters tomato. are empty now. Now my and I've only lived in this neighborhood since May. Don't know my neighbors extremely well. But, I mean, they have to think that I'm just <laughs> an absolute moron to get stuck on top of his roof. But, again, when I first got up there, it was just, it was easy to get up there. I had to literally grab on to this little part of the side of the house because my foot slipped right as I had, as I got to the top. And there was just no way down without jumping. And, I mean, you know, again, you're almost 40 years old. You think about bones and ACLs and all kinds of stuff, ankles, you know, trying to jump off. So anyway, thought that'd be a good way to kick the episode off tonight. And uh, we'll see what our audience uh, has to say about that. Yeah, this is our new segment, uh, Real Life Stories from Real Talk. Real, real People, Life Stories from Real Talk. We're not just podcasters, guys. We have real issues, real concerns, real lives even. R real leaves. Yeah, real leaves. And real stupid. Trust me, Wes, the audience already knows that. Yeah, they, yeah this, that's nothing new. They were actually surprised it didn't turn out worse. Oh, I did ask the pastor, was he going to work me into one of his sermons after that? And he's like, oh, yeah. While I was walking the dog, I was already thinking about it. And I was like, ah, I figured. He's like, I'll leave your name out. I was like, thank you. So we're going to go over to T-Man with, with his review of the, of the night. And I believe he's going to be talking about Wonder Woman 1984. Of course, we want to talk about Wonder Woman 1984 because that is the big holiday release. Um, before we actually get into the movie briefly, I do want to talk about the big decision by Warner Brothers to release their, their entire slate to theatrical and to their HBO Max streaming service. So this has caused a huge kerfuffle, ruckus within the Hollywood ecosystem. Um, it has been caused major controversy, I guess you you would say. A lot of uh, high-profile directors and actors and producers have come out against this decision. Uh, Warner Brothers has defended it ever since. It's been, I think they made the decision right before Christmas. And it is a really interesting decision 
uh, you know, we we use the word game changing a lot. Some and a lot of people say this is a game changing decision. Uh, so I don't want to spend too much time on that decision, but I do think it is a really interesting decision for the Hollywood and movie going in general and what that will bring for the future. I think we all have to keep in mind we are in the middle of a pandemic. Literally 60% of movie theaters are currently closed in the United States. So in that light, it, it does kind of make sense that they would make this decision. At the same time, in my opinion, of course, Warner Brothers came out and said, this is for the fans. We're doing this for the fans. Well, that's not really true. They're doing it because AT&T, which bought Warner Brothers about two years ago, made them make that decision. That really hasn't been put out there, but that's basically what everybody says. AT&T, of course, is a telecommunications company, not a not in really in the film industry. You know, they don't really know a lot about the film industry. They want their stock price to rise. They're around $200 billion in debt. So this was a way through their streaming service, which Wall Street loves, to get that, you know, their, their uh, stock price up because the HBO Max launch was not successful. In my opinion, I think I can see the reasoning behind this for, you know, 2021, but I think at the same time, it's not going to be successful. Lots of reasons for that. That's just my opinion on that. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that decision um, or reactions to it. I know me and you, Tommy, when this first happened, like we were worried. I mean, I don't know if we were. I was worried that it would be the death of the movie theater, which holds a special place in my heart. You know, I actually went to the last a movie the last week ours was open and I live a mile from the movie theater intentionally. So I was worried about that. And we talked it through one night and you said that you have nothing to worry about. The theaters will survive. Um but simultaneously, I am kind of comp, I, I guess not confident. I am kind of excited that this didn't succeed, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's, success is a relative term. This is what this decision basically does. It turns movies away from being movies and turns them into streaming content. And basically what that also does is it hides the fact whether they are successful or not. One thing that a lot of people, especially that we love movies, you know, we talk about box office. Is movie a success or not? One thing that really Netflix started over the past several years is they kind of hide their data. So now you really don't know whether anything is successful. You know, I think we joked about Netflix talking about how uh, they changed their viewing data to say if you watch something for two minutes, you've watched their movie or show which is obviously not true. Well, HBO Max really isn't talking about how successful Wonder Woman is. Nobody really knows if it's been successful. So that's what happens when everything puts on to streaming is you don't really have movies anymore. You just have content. Everything just turns into basically a TV show in that way. So I think that's why it's not going to ultimately be successful is because once you put everything on TV, then everything turns into TV. Wonder Woman is not a movie anymore. It's now just a streaming content for HBO Max. And so what that ultimately does is these movies, which are supposed to be event-sized movies, they lose their luster. And there's also just not really a way to make a $200 million movie 
and to make it profitable through the streaming universe. I uh, think what I think what me and you worried about the most was we thought it might be the death of the blockbuster. You know, like what's the point in making a you know a multi million dollar movie anymore when you're just going to stream it? Like, how can it possibly be profitable? And well, can't we be. don't correct. Not not in this world. First of all, most of the world doesn't even have these streaming services yet. They don't even have yeah. the industry. They don't have the infrastructure in place for them. Um, Wonder Woman is just going to HBO Max in America. That's a perfect example. Uh, Wes, I wanted to get your thoughts on that, if you had any feedback or reaction to that decision. I was not a fan of it, again, because we all, we've talked about it many times. All three of us are very much fans of the theatrical experience. No one knows exactly what to do with the whole movies and, and theater experience. Prior to all this going on, the streaming services have really taken a toll. Piracy has taken a toll. There's a lot that's working against movie theaters. And I hear all the time from casual people, not movie buffs like us, who are like, the last time I took my family to see a movie, it was about 80 bucks. A family of four, we bought movie tickets, we got a little bit of popcorn, uh, you know, a soda, whatever the situation was, and it's like $80. It's like, I, I can't do that. Where I could pay, you know, 15 bucks and have Netflix all month, and we can get microwave popcorn for, you know, $5 for a whole pack and sit down, you know, for 20 bucks as a family and, and watch movies every Friday and Saturday. I think we're just seeing people try uh, a bunch of different things. I think eventually they're going to get the combination right. I mean, most of the time, movies, once they go into the theaters, it's generally the first, what would y'all say, three weekends that really make it. If it's not in just about every case, if it's not right. doing much in the first three weekends, then it's not going to do much. There's very few examples where a movie kind of doesn't do very well the first couple weekends and then starts to find, get some legs, and then just keeps going and going and going. We have examples of that, but it's very rare. So they might even do a, a thing where, okay, for the first couple weekends, we're going to release it in theaters to those people that want that experience who are going to go and pay for it. Then they might go to like an HBO Max for a time, or they might go to a, a VOD and they may charge, you know, 10 bucks or 12 bucks for it or whatever, and then kind of gradually step it down. That's what Universal agreed to with AMC Theaters. They agreed to exactly that, Wes, what you're talking about, of uh, the 17 day window time frame where they put their movies out there. And after the 17th day, they can then make the decision to go to VOD if they want or leave the movie in the theater if they want. And then AMC also gets a cut of that VOD profit. So I think you're exactly right. I think there will be um, lots of different things. Have, or they're going to try a lot of different things, um, especially during a pandemic. I think that makes sense. And, and I'm not opposed to that. I think where this was such a big issue, and I think this is where Warner Brothers made the mistake, is they put their entire slate on 2021. Mm -hmm. They didn't tell anybody. They didn't tell all the filmmakers. They didn't tell any directors. All the people that put in their, uh, you know, all their, you know, love into the movies, they tell them. Also, a lot of these people in the industry will lose money because, you know, they're not making box office. Mm -hmm. They're just, it's all about streaming numbers. And I think ultimately, I think that's what annoys me the most about the decision is it's really not 
of the decision made for people that love movies. Right. It's a decision made by AT&T to boost their stock price. It's for people who love money. It's for people who love money. I'm not going to go on a, uh, a rant about corporations right now. You can tr- listen to my new podcast about that. <laughs> That's Talk about corporate real talk corporate edition. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if you if you're a big corporate, I would not advise listening to it because I'm going to be pretty harsh on them. But <laughs> I will say that's what the decision is about. It's truly just about boosting AT and T stock price. And honestly, if they would have came out and said that, I think most more people would have would have been fine with the decision. But because they lied about it and they tried to mm-hmm. you know pretty it up, oh, this is for the fans. We're doing this because blah blah blah. Everybody can see all through that. Um, so anyway, I think it's a really interesting discussion point, and I think it's something that we're going to be really dealing with, thinking about talking about for the next year in the in the movie world. So off of that, on to the movie on point. <laughs> great lead-in. That was a great lead-in. Tommy, you just lost all of our AT&T executives. Like, we had so many fans that were from AT&T, <laughs> and now they're not going to listen to us. Good. I switched from AT&T a long time ago. That uh, their service is garbage. So I'm, <laughs> no, I'm really Tiny glad. M fans are gone. AT and T executives are gone. We're losing everybody. I, I really hope that none of our podcasts are like based off of AT and T servers, though. Uh, <laughs> we might lose all of our all of that. That is true. But I do want to get into Wonder Woman briefly. I can save today, but you can save the world. One day. You'll become all that you dream of and more. And everything will be different. This world is not ready for all that you will do. The world needs you. I literally just saw it, like literally just now, just before this podcast. And I went to the theater because I'm in Nashville and there still are movie theaters in Nashville, thankfully. So I went and saw it at AMC. It was great to see it in the theater because I love the movie theater. Um, And so about the movie, of course, most people know what Wonder Woman is. It's a DC comic character. And it's a sequel to the movie that came out in, I believe, 2017, which was extremely successful. Um, And I really like that version quite a bit. Now, this version is really interesting, I would say. I'm not going to try to spoil it, but it is really unique to comic book movies, in my opinion. I actually hadn't seen one like this in quite a while. The original one was somewhat like it, but the tone of what they're going for is so different than almost any comic book movie that I've seen. It's, it reminds me the most of the Superman original series, Superman 1, 2, and 3, and how very comic booky and almost comic they were in tone, and like almost kiddie, like almost for kids in that way. So this movie has some of that at play, and also the plot of it itself is not like your typical comic book plot. I'm not going to spoil it too much, but it's basically a monkey paw type plot where you get wishes but just because you get those wishes doesn't mean you know it will work out for you and that's kind of what the pedro pascal character who's the villain of the movie that's kind of what he's doing with it so the plot of itself i actually kind of ended up liking it like the first hour i was just really unsure where this was going 
But I, I kind of warmed up to it, but I just got to – I want to kind of forewarn everybody. There's not a lot of action in it. There's hardly any violence. It's almost like a melodrama in that way. Uh, Wes, I know you and, you and I were talking before we went live here, and it has really gotten mixed reviews from not only critics, it's down to like 60% of Rotten Tomatoes, but also just fans in general. It's gotten a lot of backlash on the internet, I think, also. A lot of people, I don't, but here's the thing. I'm not sure exactly what they thought they were getting because honestly, in a lot of ways, it is very true to the character of Wonder Woman and it is true to kind of the tone, the sensibility of like that like of the 70s show, which was so popular. I would say that it, I would recommend it, but you got to know what you're going in for. You got to like comic book, comic book movies and you got to like movies that necessarily aren't going to be super violent. It's not going to be dark at all. It's not cynical. And I'll just put it this way. Patty Jenkins, the director, says this, so this is not spoiling anything. Nobody nobody is really, you know, I'm not going to say nobody dies, but there's hardly any violence in it. I'm just going to put it out there. So I know you guys haven't seen it yet, but what are your thoughts on anything I said? Or do you want to see it? Do you not want to see it? What are your initial reactions? I mean, I've said it before, and you guys know this. It's just, I'm just, I'm just so over it. We've been movie fans for many years. We go to the theater a lot. I mean, I was at the drive-in theater in 1989 when Batman came out, Tim Burton's Batman. It's just after all of these these years, and it just keeps going and keeps going. It just ramps up, and there's just more and more and more, and there's cinematic universes and all that. I'm just exhausted with it, and I just I don't care. It would take something really special for me to to want to get back kind of into the the comic book world and i hope maybe that will change for me one day where i i, I do see one and it, it excites me but i tried with my wife to watch wonder woman the the first one i mean i used to watch the tv show as a very young kid with my great grandfather actually he liked it let me give it a shot and we just were just kind of like uh it's just it just seemed like everything else Anytime I put on a comic book movie, they all just basically are the same. Now, I know I'm in the minority. That's the big thing right now. I'm sure a lot of our listeners love comic book films, Marvel movies, all that. But, again, I just don't have any interest in seeing it. The mixed reactions to it, again, are just another reason why I'm just kind of like, uh, I don't know. Anyway, Gabe, I'll, I'll, you're, you're, you're more of uh, you like these types of movies more, so I won't be what negative. What the heck? Are you trying to get us canceled? <laughs> uh, we're genre right now, for better yeah. or worse. Guys, I hate to tell you this, but I actually got a notification today, just a few hours ago. We have officially been canceled. All right, good. That was my ultimate goal, anyway. Gay, what, <laughs> what are your thoughts? Uh, well, well, Wes, you opened up with a 20 minute story about you getting stuck on a roof at the age of 37, and then you just downed comic book movies. I don't know that I'm going that direction with you. I'm just going to be honest with you. Just because something is popular doesn't mean you have to hate it. You know, it is a genre. It's new. Everybody cares about it. But wonder the, the fact that there's a couple of things. The fact that you said that you didn't like the first Wonder Woman, why? It, it's spectacular. It got a 90, like, 7 on Rotten Tomatoes. Don't quote me on that, but I think I'm pretty close. Like, the comic movie, 
vein has some bad mishaps. I won't deny that. Spider-Man 3 is a great example, but it is a guilty pleasure of mine. Um, as Well, I don't think it is, actually. We actually talked about that. But there are several bad comic book movies, but there are several great comic book movies. So um, I will see Wonder Woman in the theater. I won't prejudge a movie uh, based on like it being in that vein. I'm glad Tommy said what he did during the review because that will prep me for the movie a little bit. And I think it'll make me appreciate the, the movie a lot more when I actually do see it. So thank you for your review. Um, but that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Honestly, guys, I think this was a good discussion, interesting discussion about Wonder Woman. And I think this honestly should be a longer discussion, maybe an episode in the future. And I think there is more to talk about with the comic book genre. Uh, like, like we've talked about, it is probably, I mean, it's not probably, it is the defining genre of today's movie world. Uh, yes. You really can't talk about movies today without talking about it. But Wes brings an interesting perspective because there are people out there that don't like comic book movies. That is also out there. I've talked to others that don't really like comic book movies. Gabe and I do. No, that's a good point. And it's not that I dislike comic book movies. The Nolan Batman films, I really enjoyed. The first two Spider-Man movies, I really, really enjoyed. Not the Tom Holland ones, the Tobey Maguire ones, but... Again, I just, it just kind of, I just got worn out with it. Yeah. So, so, so wait a minute. Long story short, oh, Gabe's ready. Gabe's ready to go. I said, hold your fire, Gabe. No, I can't hold my fire. So wait a minute. There, <laughs> there are. Never mind. There, there are several great comic book movies. Other than that, are you saying that besides these new Spider-Man movies and like a couple other movies, you you cannot stand the universe? Like you don't like Thor. You didn't like the new no. Thor that. Did you not like the new Thor Ragnarok that came out here recently? No, I didn't watch it. It was I, spectacular. I saw some of the Thor movies. I'm just tired of the, the 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 big crazy CGI worlds where everybody's jumping around and flying around, and you know, it's just exhausting. After it a doesn't while. it doesn't sound to me like you don't like comic book movies. It sounds to me like you don't like new things. Uh, that could be it as well. <laughs> Gabe is also uh, psychoanalyzing Wes on this episode, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I do think, I, like I, I think this is a fun discussion, but I do think this is a broader discussion we should have in a future episode around comic books because, like I said, it is truly a defining genre of today's movie world, and you really can't, you know, I think it's something we're definitely going to touch on in the future. With Wonder Woman 84, what I would say my final wrap-up is, uh, it's kind of a mixed bag. Like, it's definitely one of those that... I still don't 100% sure know where I land on it all the way. I think it does some interesting things. I appreciate that it's trying to be different. And I, and I kind of agree with Wes on that, that a lot some sometimes comic books movies get into this very, you know, same repetitive type plot structure and everything's the same. This movie's not like that. It's it's a quite a bit different, actually. At the same time, the tone of itself is much lighter. I could definitely see it be more kids at the same time. Not a lot of action going on either. Uh, so if that, if any of that piques your interest, um, streaming on HBO Max, I know I railed against that earlier, but now I'm going to plug it. So streaming on HBO Max and at a movie theater if you have those close to you open. All right. Well, that was T-Man's review for Wonder Woman 1984, a 2020 release. All right. The next movie we're going to be talking about tonight is called White Lie. 
The submission deadline is on Friday, so all of your records and your paperwork have to be in by then. Get your medical records in order, and we'll see to the rest. Yeah, shouldn't be a problem. You need them from scratch. Yeah, I need ones made. You need faked medical records. There's only 12 days left. I'm worried you won't make the goal. I'll make it. No, I can't loan you the money. And frankly, I'm not sure I would if I had it. What do you mean? I don't believe you. It's a brand new release. It's a 2021 film. How did this movie get on our radar? Well, it was pretty cool. Real Talk was actually sent a screener from Rock Salt Releasing Company. They uh, sent us the screener and said, hey, you know, you guys want to check out our new movie? We'd love for you to review it. And obviously, I was a little skeptical. I was like, yeah, let me, uh, I'll watch the trailer and see what we're getting into. I watched the trailer. And I was like, wow, this actually looks really good. Did a little research on it. It only had 20 reviews or so far, but we're up into the 90th percentile on Rotten Tomatoes. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch this thing, send it to the guys. And so me and Gabe are going to kind of tag team this review of White Lie. White Lie is a 2021 drama. It was written and directed by Yonan Lewis and Calvin Thomas. And just to give you the Wikipedia premise, is Katie Arnson, a university student played by Casey Rohr. She fakes a cancer diagnosis for the attention and financial gain. But the movie is about her getting caught up and having to maintain this lie. Well, I'll start and then let's bring Gabe in on a few of these points. But for me, there's so much content out there that it's it's literally impossible to stay current on everything. So I try to be choosy on what I devote my time to. Now, you may call BS on that after you find out that I watched the KFC Lifetime movie, A Recipe for Seduction, but I digress. I'm not buying it. (laughs) Anyway, so the premise of the movie is what caught my attention. When I read that... Yeah, I'm also not buying it. I've seen your internet history, Wes. I know you're not that picky. (laughs) So anyway, the premise of the movie, it caught my attention. To me, in my mind, it was something fresh, something off the beaten trail that personally, again, in the world of superhero movies or remakes and sequels to, you know, to other genres of movies, I, I desperately want these kind of fresh stories. And the main reason it was so appealing to me is because I anonymously donate sometimes to things like GoFundMe for people that are going through illnesses or other hard times. And I've often wondered how many of these stories and profiles are a fake or a scam. And because it's certainly going on. You know, scam artists are everywhere. They're on every platform. They're in every facet of the, of the digital world. So I know they're out there. The premise caught my attention. Gabe, what did, what did you think whenever you kind of read what the movie was about? Well, I mean, just like you. I mean, I hadn't heard of anything like this. And maybe I'm different from you, but I hadn't even thought of anything like this existing. So when I started watching the movie, I was pretty disgusted, honestly. Like, I don't know a a less blunt way of saying it, but I was pretty disgusted. But simultaneously, I was super intrigued. Like, I was like, how is this possible? Like, how is she going to pull this off? And I've got to say, before we get into, like, our full review... Casey Roll absolutely kills it in this movie. Like, mm. 
I find myself disgusted by her, but simultaneously rooting for her. So it was like, (laughs) it's like, I don't know. It's a movie that I will only see once. I guarantee it. But simultaneously, it's a movie that I think should be maybe even up for best picture of 2021 because of the acting performances. No, the acting performances were really good. And, you have to have that in a movie like this. If you don't have the good performances, it makes it unbelievable, thus really crumbling the foundation of it. But in a, I don't know about you, but the first thing that I noticed whenever I put the movie on is the excellent cinematography by Christopher Liu. The movie is shot very well, and honestly, I thought it was kind of shot to match the tone of the film. And there's a whole lot of emotions that are at stake throughout the course of the movie. But, you know, those kind of uh, the joyful, the happy, the those emotions like that are not really in the in the movie. And so those joyful colors, you know, the yellows and the oranges and then the bright reds and bright blues and stuff, those tones are kind of absent in the photography. And it's not a dark film, but it's just a little muted. It's a little drab, again, like the tone of the movie. And so as a spoiler free review we shouldn't get into a lot of the plot elements, but the premise of the movie, it really sets you up for what to expect. I mean, it met my expectations. The character goes through the things that I would want to see in this type of setup. And I honestly feel that they probably could have went a little bit further and even had the character being exposed to a, a much a, a much higher level of notoriety thus creating an even greater sense of suspense of being found out and the potential consequences that would follow. And the movie mainly stays within the realm of the university that she attends, which is potentially maybe due to budget constraints, or it was just simply that the story that the writer and director wanted to tell. I don't know what you thought about the stakes in the movie, but I thought it would have been even a better movie if the stakes were even larger. I agree with you. Like, completely, actually, on that. And I actually thought about that. I was like, you know, it would be crazy if she actually... Well, I don't want to ruin anything. But if if she actually went through some... Oof, that that actually kind of ruins something. Let me go a different direction. <laughs> let me um, let me say, say this. Like, and this is about the realest review you'll ever get from me. When I turned on this movie, I had seen the trailer, and I absolutely thought I wouldn't like it. I thought it would suck. And so this morning I woke up and I was like, it was 10 o'clock and I had about two hours before football started. And I was like, I'm going to watch this because I'm, I'm going to knock this out and get it out of the way. And it took me to a different place because it is, it, it's an intense movie. And me and you talked about it, Wes, on the phone, like after we both watched it, it almost should be a thriller, but it's not, it's kind of weird how that is, but like it takes you to an intense place of a person that's really messed up and you're almost rooting for him. And that's almost an impossible thing to do. I'll tell you another thing that's impossible for me to do. Get me interested in a movie like this. Cause it's about a person that's faking cancer and stealing money from people. And it's, it takes you to a place that's so dark that you didn't know existed, but the actors had and actresses had to be amazing to take you there. I don't want to talk a lot off your topic. Like, yeah, I think you're right, but I don't want to talk about the things they could have done, Wes. Well, let me, I'll respond to a couple of things that you were just talking about. So first you said that it plays out 
more like a like a thriller whenever the premise on paper looks like a drama. And I think with it, the way that they edited the film and the kind of the nerve, the nervous, jittery style camera work that they used, that kind of amped up things a little bit. And it's an asset to the film. The next thing that I wanted to talk about, and this is not really the next thing. This is kind of the la- my last point on the movie that might intrigue people to watch it. But the lead character of Katie, and I don't say this lightly. But aside from, like, murderers and rapists, she is truly the most vile character I have seen in a movie in a very long time. And again, it's a brilliant performance. And that alone is worth the price of a mention. I despise this character so much, but at the same time, I couldn't look away. I wanted to see what was going to happen if she found out, you know. So I wanted to go on this ride with her. But every part of her life is a lie. You know, she's deceitful. She is a manipulator. She's diverting funds away from people that actually have cancer. And for the most part, it's kind of remorseless throughout much of the movie. And what's scary for me, Gabe, where I I think I was opposite from what you said, she felt very real to me. Like, I felt like this is a a type of person that probably exists that's probably out there. Maybe I'm too kind-hearted that I believe that these people don't exist, but, like, I don't know. It took me on a ride. I will tell you that, Wes. It took me on a ride that I didn't expect to go on. I remember today I was walking while listening to this uh, or watching this on my phone, and I got kind of (laughs) depressed. I'm going to be honest. I was sitting there, and I was like, this is – I can't believe this exists. But that's what the (laughs) film is trying to achieve. It's it's going to be a hard watch, real talk community. But it's a so of all the hard watches I've said that you should watch, this is the one you should watch. And I, mm-hmm. it's hard it's hard to trust me, but you should watch this movie because the the lead act, Katie Roll, I think is her name, Casey. Uh-huh. Casey Roll kills it. I have I mean, just there's no other word to describe it. She absolutely captivated me the entire performance. So when we talked beforehand, you talked about how, you know, she was a, a terrible person, but you kind of found yourself rooting for her in some kind of weird way. And I think that's because the writer and the director, they just, in the movie, they give you a little bit of insight of, of perhaps why that Katie is going down this path. Yes. And I think that's good, good writing that causes the audience to have that emotional conflict. But just this is my viewpoint only for this character I do. I did not care of her past tragedy. It it does not give someone the excuse or the right to do the things that that she does. And again, this is just a movie, but I'm speaking to more of the actual people that do these things. Past wrongs or not, they don't give you free will to lie, steal, cheat, hurt others, whatever it is. But the last thing, I, the very last thing I want to say about the film, and I'll get your take on this as well, Gabe, is I'm not a fan of this title, White Lie. Because a white lie is is what's considered a trivial lie, a lie typically told not to hurt, you know, not to hurt somebody's feelings. It's basically in most cases there's no substantial meaning or consequence because of the lie. But Katie is not telling a white lie. She is deceiving people that she has cancer for sympathy and monetary gain. That's the opposite of a white lie. And again, I think the title is trying to project onto the audience that was supposed to have empathy for this character in this situation, but I just wasn't taking the bait. 
I'll tell you where I differ from that opinion. I think a white lie can turn into so much more. And I think this film good point. is a good portrayal of what happens when a white lie turns into so much more than a white lie. You know, people normally think of a white lie like your wife's pregnant and she asks you if she looks good and you're like, yeah, absolutely, my wife looks good. <laughs> I hope Rachel's not listening to this. <laughs> no, I mean, she would. She would She would know. She, she would, like, absolutely, like, relate to what I'm saying. But, like, you know what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. there are white no, lies that are for benefit that you absolutely have to tell. But there are also white lies that do damage that people feel like fall in the category of white lie, but then go a little bit further and then go a little bit further. And I, I think that that's why this movie's titled right, but it's okay. Me and you different opinion. Isn't it? No, I haven't seen the movie. It sounds really good though. I really want to see it. Um, I mean, the way I, from hearing both of you guys speak, it sounds to me like, like I said, I haven't seen the movie. It sounds to me like the filmmakers chose that title because basically what they're saying is, in her mind, this is a white lie, but it's kind of like a parody of that. It's basically using that to show that she's thinking it's a white lie. This is harmless, but it's really not. Mm-hmm. Or it's it it's it truly started because you don't in the movie you don't see where the lie officially started. We kind of pick up when we're we're in the midst of it, which is which is a fine starting point. So maybe what the title was meant to mean is that it originally started as a white lie but it's just it's too far now and there's no turning back so she's got to keep going forward so maybe it is appropriately titled i just again it was because the character was so vile and she was rubbing me the wrong way so much when i kept thinking about white lie white lie white lies like this is not a white lie this is this is big stakes or really, if you think about it, like I said, I haven't seen the movie, so I'm really just projecting here. Um, what they could be going for there is basically saying that there really is no such thing as a white lie. Like, yeah, this correct you say this, this is a white lie, but really, any lie is harmful. And is there really such thing as a white lie? I mean, it could be something along those lines, too. But I yeah, like it sounds that. like that as well. Yeah. yeah. Like let really me let so I want to I check hope it we out. can end on this I hope we can end on this comment but what I was thinking the entire time there's a line that she says during the movie I don't think this ruins anything so I'm going to go ahead and say it she said my life was terrible before you or my life sucked before you it was almost like that white lie transformed her life into something that was completely different and I don't think she meant for it to do that but then once she told it there were consequences to the white lie. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what this movie's all about. And it really did. I, like I said, guys, this is a movie that you're going to watch one time, but go out and check it out. The lead actress absolutely kills it. And if she's not up for best actress, I feel like it's a travesty. So, that's so Gabe, what would you, what would your, what would your, your final rating be? You've already gave your recommendation. Do you have a final rating in mind? Yeah, but it's not going to be one that Bill Van Vagel approves of, and I'm glad I used his name in this episode. I'll give it an eight and a half out of ten, but it's not Ooh. a movie I'll ever watch again. Okay. I'm going to go... I'm, I'm still letting the movie wash over me. I'm at about a six and a half right now. I'm at a six and a half to a seven. 
again, the character, it just ran all over me. But that's good. I like a movie that causes me to to think and feel. And it wasn't mindless entertainment. And so I like that part. of. So I really like the movie. And again, I'm also going to encourage our, our, our audience, go check it out. You can actually find the movie right now streaming on, by the time you hear this, on Amazon Prime. I think it's $2, and it's on Vudu for 4 so whatever streaming service you use. But anyway, that is our uh, review for 2021's White Lie. And our next review, we're going to go over to the Movie Buddy for Sound of Metal. Your hearing is deteriorating rapidly. We'll come back. Till then, Lou, we just keep going, okay? No. Lou, no. let's play tomorrow. Let's see what it's like, okay? I'm gonna be like a click track. You can play it in me. You have to understand your first responsibility is to preserve the hearing you have. I can't hear you. Do you understand me? I can't. I'm deaf. I'm deaf. Found a place. I think it's important that you stay here with us right now, Ruben. We're looking for a solution to, to this. Not this. I need you to wait for me, okay? You're in for me. Lou, you're my part. You're in for me, okay? You gotta wait for me. I got to tell you guys how I found this. So I'm sitting at work. And so I've been real into Dexter. I've been watching Dexter a lot here lately. And they cut it off Netflix. And I was really sad. And I was like, what am I going to watch next? So I go to Rotten Tomatoes. And I see what the most watched movie was. Because I was like, I really love this section that we were doing. We were talking about new movies. And the number one watched movie was Sound of Metal. So I was like, I don't know what that is. I'll watch the trailer. I watch the trailer and it's about a heavy metal band and the guy goes deaf early on like during, while he's performing and then he's having to deal with the consequences of being deaf. And for me, it really hit home. I don't I don't normally get to this visceral of a level on the podcast, but I'll tell everybody on the podcast my mother is technically, she's not technically deaf, but if she doesn't have her hearing aids in, she can't hear at all, which made some, for some really funny stories and some really like sad stories growing up. Um, my brother has hard of hearing. So this is something that I've dealt with my whole life. And when I watched the trailer, I was like, I have, I have to see this because uh, the, A, the movie looked phenomenal. You should watch the trailer as soon as you get off the podcast, Sound of Metal. Um, for a while, it was the number one streaming movie out there. And so I saw the trailer, and I was like, you know, I'm going to check this out. And so when I, when I watched it, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, you know, what would happen if suddenly, and this is what happens in the movie, in the course of two days, I went deaf. And so I'm going to throw this back to you guys, because, but I'll tell you my answer. I perform most of my operations at my work on the phone, so I instantly wouldn't be able to work. I wouldn't be able to provi provide for my family. I'd have to figure out a whole new way of working. 
what would you do if over the course of two days you went deaf and how horrified would you be? Wes? Oh. It would be incredibly scary. That would be the first thing because when I just sit here and I think about sound and hearing, I love music. I love to watch film, TV shows, and yes, I know that there's subtitles and things that you can you can read, but a lot of times part of the experience is the sound of a movie. And there's way more important things in life than listening to music and watching movies, you know, hearing the voice of your wife or your mother or the sound of your son laughing, uh, whatever it may be. And what's crazy is that seeing and hearing and being able to speak are just so second, we'll even call it third natured to most of us that it never crosses our mind very often. Whenever you pose that question, you told us that you were going to ask that question tonight. Just fear is the first thing that comes into my mind. And those senses, not having that sense would just, in my opinion, take myself out of the world that I know and I love just a little bit. And that that's what scares me. So yeah, we're getting, we're getting deep here on real talk tonight. I'm glad we're going this route. Tommy, what do you think? What, what, what would you think if that occurred to you? I mean, I think I mean, everything that Wes just said, I think is very accurate and, and truthful. And I think also for me, I mean, I think it would be uh, a very uh, sad experience to never be able to listen to your favorite song again. You know, listen to uh, just being out in nature and listening to those type of sounds watching movies and hearing those types of talking to your friends and hearing those, hearing them speak, um, hearing the reflections in their voices. So it would be uh, extremely sad and life-changing. Um, as anything, we are, uh, you know, hopefully we could overcome that. I think, you know, anything that we experience, we can fight through. So hopefully we would be able to get through that, but I think that would be my initial reaction for sure. Well, let me... Besides, you know, the fact that, like, literally if that happened to me, I couldn't provide for my family, and I would have to make massive life changes instantaneously. Let me paint the picture for this movie to you. And when I watched the trailer, this is what drew me to it so much. The guy in it is a drummer in a heavy metal band. And some hearing illnesses happen over time, some happen instantaneously. This guy basically is performing, and one day he's having trouble hearing, and the next day he completely can't hear at all. So his whole life is he has a girlfriend. Him and his girlfriend travel and tour in a bus, and they're the entire band. So he's the drummer. She plays the guitar. She does the singing. She does everything. And so he loses his hearing. It basically upends its entire world. But, however... The movie is about how hearing loss can be a beautiful thing. And so it takes you on a journey that you don't even expect to go on. And from the get-go, you know that you're going on it, and it's phenomenal. So the lead actor in the movie is a guy—hold on, let me get his name. His name is um, 
Riz Ahmed. And if he's not up for best actor next, or I don't know if he falls into last year or next, uh, does he fall into 2020, Tommy? Do you know if The Sound of Metal falls into 2020? I think it does. Yeah, he, uh, it will. He will be up for best actor. It will be up for best picture. Um, they are definitely heavy contenders. He, he could win, definitely, especially in this COVID-impacted year. Uh, but dang, Gabe, you're really pushing these Oscar uh, contenders tonight, I've noticed. That's what I was thinking. I was like, we're going to have to get Gabe in the Academy so he can yeah, <laughs> cast you, a vote for these people. I'm, are you part of the Academy? And where was your Wonder Woman vote? You just defended, uh, you just got on West, just got all over his ass about Wonder Woman. <laughs> he didn't mention anything about Gal Gadot. Looks like She's you're, spectacular. She's you're a comic book hater these days. I'm not the comic book hater. I love comic book movies. I was about to go down down on West about Avengers and all kinds of movies, but then I held oh, back. Oh, oh, you're about to go down? What? What? This is a family friendly podcast, Gabe. This no, is not go really you know, weird. What? This is what happens when Gabe starts talking about comic books. He gets too excited. I, <laughs> I went a little bit too far. Anyway, okay, sorry, go. Gabe. Sorry, Gabe. Go, go continue sound of metal. But but on, on a very real note, it is a movie everybody should watch. And you have to watch it to the end to get this movie. So let me tell you, I watched it on New Year's. New Year's, uh, my wife, my uh, daughter had pneumonia, so I actually had to spend New Year's at home by myself. Uh, she fell asleep on my lap, and I watched this movie. And I, like, expected to watch about 45 minutes of it and then go to bed. You guys have all watched those type of movies where you're like, hey, I'll turn this on. This is something I was interested in. I watched the entire movie. Then I rewatched the beginning of the movie because it's so good. And um, the lead actor leaves nothing on the table. He really puts it all out there. He should win Best Actor for 2020. I didn't know it fell in 2020. That's why I had to ask Tommy. Um, but it, it's a spectacular movie about the uh, about actually being deaf, about the recourses of being deaf, and about the beauty in being deaf. And it's something that really hit home with me, so I think everybody should check it out. I didn't love the first... I'm going to go ahead and... I, I do this with movies sometime, but I want to prep people for them. I didn't love the first 15 minutes of this movie because I don't love heavy metal music. But that shouldn't shy you away from the rest of the movie. So if you turn the movie on and you're like, eh, this isn't for me because I don't love heavy metal music, me too. I'm on the same page as you. Please keep watching. When it gets to the rest of the movie, you're going to absolutely love it. That's all I have to say. All right. Well, I think we're going to get into our last review of tonight, and then we'll wrap the episode up. Because of the, my horror community, I, I have to bring, when we talk about these new movies, i got to bring you a review on a new horror film. And so this is not brand new, but it is a 2020 movie. I listened to a few uh, podcasts and year-end uh, horrorless and this movie was on there quite a bit has a little bit of buzz around it so i was like i'm gonna check this out i'm gonna let our real talk listeners know what to think about the wretched dad mom's being weird mom's always been weird what are you doing up here don't let her in my son likes to play hide and seek can you bring him down i didn't say he was here you're a very stupid boy. Can I help you? He's still in home? Dylan, Dylan, down here, baby. You know, your son, Dylan, I don't have a son. He had no idea who I was talking about. 
He's gone. I know it. I'd like to report a missing kid. Are you okay, Ben? Where is your sister? I need you to tell me what's going on. I thought I would start this review by saying a couple years ago, we were still in the midst of a second or according to some, a third golden age of horror. Horror was being produced all around us. Major Hollywood productions, tons of great indie films, video games, TV series, and just lots and lots of merchandise. And for a horror fan like myself, it was just a great time to be a fan. Movies like The Conjuring, the remake of It, It Follows, Don't Breathe, and a personal favorite of mine, The Witch, are now firmly stuck in the horror hall of fame of this particular era. But sadly, as all things do, they come to an end. And eventually we return to mediocrity or even worse. And I'm afraid as a whole, I hate to say it, but I feel like the horror content that's been produced over the last couple of years is back to being mediocre with a rare gem here and there. At the very least, we're on a downward slope coming out of this third golden era of horror. So when I start to hear buzz, even by some trusted fellow podcasters, if they hear this, they'll know who I'm talking about, about the wretched, I got all the excitement feels. And aside from host earlier this year, I haven't really liked any new horror that I've seen lately. Um, you know, these buzzed about movies such as The Lodge and a few other ones were just kind of a huge let it chapter two. You know, there was huge letdowns for me. But anyway, The Wretched is a 2020 film written and directed by the Pierce brothers. It's a supernatural horror film. It stars John Paul Howard, Piper Curta and Jameson Jones and the Wikipedia premise for the film short and sweet. A defiant teenage boy faces off with an evil witch posing as a neighbor next door so i kind of like that it's almost like a rear window disturbia type setup except for we're dealing with witches or other than than uh regular people so i again after i heard that it it made some best of 2020 lists i had to see it tracked it down at Redbox, watched it just a couple of nights back and so after the excitement i came away just a little you know meh yeah, that was a movie kind of thing. One I'm sure I'm going to forget in a couple of months' time. It's not a bad film. Somewhere in the pages of the story that was written, I felt like it should have been scarier. There's a scarier movie there, a better movie there. And unfortunately, it feels just a little more dangerous than a standard kids on bikes movie, which for me, that's a letdown. So anyway... The opening of the movie has a babysitter arrive to watch a little girl. She finds a creature feeding on the little girl she's going to watch in the basement. When she tries to run, she's locked in the basement by the child's father, and then the titles roll. It should have been a scary opening, but it just wasn't. It was rushed. It didn't give us time to care about any of the characters or even really realize what was happening. And then the creature, the witch, whatever... Too, way too much CGI. It was still well done, CGI, but it still looked fake. And you know it's not real. It takes you out of the movie a little bit. Anyway, 
we fat in the film <laughs> fast forward to present day the rest of the story follows that defiant teen who's staying with his dad for the summer and oh yeah this witch creature from the opening is on the loose trying to capture children in this sleepy boating community so that's kind of the the setup for the movie there's several solid scenes one in particular where a teen is trying to find out what's in the neighbor's basement i like that one there's another one where our main character is trying to protect the child from this thing that's knocking at the door. That one's pretty cool. However, most of the scares fall flat, and ultimately the story goes off the rails a little bit. I did not like the climax, and I won't say much, but there is some underground world accessible through the bottom of a scary-looking tree kind of deal, and I did not like that at all. Yeah, and you're, you're laughing, and it's a little goofy. It's a little, little silly. Like Wes that. doesn't like underground worlds accessible by trees. It's a weird yeah, I didn't thing like that has. layer. They had a layer. I didn't <laughs> like So, again, I wanted to like the movie more. I have a difficult time explaining the way that these horror scenes should have played out, but I feel like that I'm kind of a seasoned vet when it comes to scares and suspense, and it just... It all comes down to the timing of the scare and the timing of the suspense, and it has to build. You have to build it, and there has to be a good payoff, and the movie suffers from that because it doesn't deliver on all the scares. Just a couple of times it was good. Overall, the movie is enjoyable. It cannot rise above slightly better than mediocrity, plus the ending has the main character look like he's doing stuff that he really isn't doing. So people are thinking he's doing these terrible things. You'll understand more if you see the film. But it just goes too far. It gets to be way too messy. There just shouldn't be really any coming back from that without a very long explaining things, improving things that doesn't that doesn't come. There's also a point in the movie that there's supposed to be a twist. And I don't think that twist plays very well. New characters are introduced, just like the beginning. We aren't emotionally attached to these characters. They kind of come out of nowhere. And since we aren't, um, since we don't care about them, the, that conclusion to the story, it, it just can't work. So anyway, the movie is okay. Pretty bad that we're, this is a top horror film of the year. That just goes to show you what we're dealing with here. So if you like those kids on bikes type movies, check it out. I liked it, kind of, but just wasn't all into it. So I'm going to go. It's in that five and a half to six range. One of those, stream it if you get time, if you get quarantined again, something like that. That's really it. So, guys, that's The Wretched. Don't know if y'all have any interest in seeing it. Don't know if you've even seen anything on it. But again, as a horror fan of movies that are truly scary this just wasn't one of them is it a buddy pop out horror movie it is not oh, it good. is not i'll about check this out scares, which i appreciate i appreciate a movie that doesn't rely on jump scares but again they got the timing wrong on the scares just like run the movie i reviewed last time it got the suspense timing very wrong. Like I told you, I didn't even know they were trying to build suspense until it was almost hitting you in the face. And I was like, Ugh. it's kind of the same way with these scares. And I'm not just numb to scares. I mean, there are some movies that, that, that have those. So I remember this movie came out last summer and it was kind of a sleeper hit. So I remember when you said you were going to review it, I, it sounded familiar, but I haven't seen it. Um, I do like these type of movies. I think 
you told me Wes on the the kids on the bikes. Was yeah, me too. That I like those type of movies. I think you've prepared me well. I think I'll still watch it, but not expecting to be blown away either. And I think I think that's right. So uh, again, I don't want to dissuade people from seeing it. I'm just I'm firmly planted into the we're not getting the same types of horror movies that we got three or four years ago. We're we're just not getting them now. And I know we didn't get a bunch of movies like there are some fun ones that are are coming out. I'm really excited about James 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 Wan's Malignant. I'm also excited about the sequel to Halloween 2018, although I wasn't a huge fan of that one either. Um, but anyway, I digress. Well, I think a couple of think a couple of things happened there. I think you're exactly right. That's true. Um, the good times can only last for so long. But also, several films were delayed from last year, like that Malignant was supposed to be last year. Uh, but also, I think what what happens is, you know, a lot of these filmmakers that are really good, uh, sometimes they'll start out in horror, and because it gives them a lot of leeway, but then they move into other genres. So, you, you know, you got a lot of filmmakers that will make their names in horror because it gives them a lot of opportunity to flex their, their skill set in a low-budget uh, way. But then they move on to something else, kind of like uh, Robert Eggers with, uh, like, you know, you really like The Witch. Now he's going into different genres. So I think that kind of what's happened, what's happened recently with these really young filmmakers who have made their name with these uh, horror films. Yeah, and I tell you, kind of speaking of that, Lee Wannell, who, you know, started out, he was a, just a, a writer, screenwriter. He, he wrote Saul and Insidious along with James Wan, their big buddies. And he directed Insidious Chapter 3, which I also I thought was actually pretty good. And then that led him to direct an upgrade, which is not a horror film, but it's kind of like a kind of like a dark sci-fi movie. That movie's awesome. And then this year, of course, he put out The Invisible Man, which was really good. I really liked that. So there is some hope out there. Uh, again, it, it's just this it's the ebbs and flows of different genres. You know, and and I just feel like we just went through like a a five year period or so where there was just great horror content, and got spoiled, and we're just coming out of it now. We'll get back into it eventually, but uh, again, the wretched, in my opinion, is not it. But um, if you don't like really scary horror films, this is probably going to be for you because it's one you can throw on, watch by yourself, and it's not you're not going to be up thinking about it. Right, yeah, that's a good point, and I'll just have to agree with you on that. The Invisible Man is is a great film, still one of the best of last year. So, um, yeah, and I I know you're going to agree with this, Wes. We've just went through a five year period of spectacular comic book movies, so <laughs> that's true. And here's the thing, Gabe, that ain't ending anytime soon. I mean, that's no. still going. We're gonna go through another five year period of spectacular comic movies, comic book movies that Wes hates. Yeah. <laughs> our our audience has learned something new tonight. I know Wes has been holding this tight. I know he didn't want to tell people because he knows how popular comic book fan movies are. Uh but audiences, yes, Wes uh hates them. So now we know. Now it's out there. <laughs> and Wes, Wes hates you. Don't have you. To lie anymore. You don't have to be somebody who you who you aren't. Really be who you were meant to be. Well, it's like I went to see a, a Catholic priest tonight. I've told everybody that uh, I, I've, uh, I'm confessing. I hate comic book movies. 
I got stuck on a roof and embarrassed myself in front of neighbors. All right, well, we'll wrap up this episode. And again, this was our reviewing the new series. Up next for Real Talk, we are going to continue with our interview series. We've got Sandy King Carpenter, who is going to come on the show. She is a very famous uh, script supervisor, which led into producing. And she also married, who I feel is one of the greatest directors to ever live, John Carpenter. And they together own a comic book uh, company. So we will not tell her on that episode that I'm not a big comic book fan. But anyway, we can't wait to talk to her. She's worked on uh, 16 Candles, which is a John Hughes movie. She worked on Thief, which was Michael Mann's first movie. She's worked on Prince of Darkness and They Live and Vampires, which are all John Carpenter films. And so she just had such a unique career, and we just cannot wait to, to get a chance to talk to her. We've also got a bunch of uh, great guests who are going to be coming on the show to do episodes with us. We've got a lot of interviews that we're working on. We're working on all kinds of stuff to make uh, 2021 a banner year here at Real Talk. So, again, obviously joking earlier, we love our audience. We love our listeners. We wouldn't be doing this without you. For those of you who may be new, I'd love for you to interact with us. You can do that on Twitter at Real underscore cast. You can do that on Facebook. We have a fun Facebook group, which uh, I feel has really gotten better over the last few weeks. A lot of jokes uh, and things like that. I, I love interacting on there. And that's just Real Talk, a movie podcast page. And for us, that's a wrap.